Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 ed tech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. In this episode, we get a big picture, looking at some issues that deserve deliberate contemplation, including the importance of back office versus instructional ed technologies, details on how to create echo learning systems, the essence of equity in education, and more. So settle in. First off, as the deadline for eSchool News' 2022 Hero Awards approaches, that's September 1st to be exact, I had the opportunity to talk with Kelly Goodman. She's the manager of expense management at the legendary Florida Virtual School, and Jim McClurkin, he's a director of state and local government at SAP Concur, about her nomination for this year's awards. At first glance, I have to say I was a bit confused about how an expense management system could be seen as heroic. But as Kelly explains, if the back end is not solid state and efficient, instruction falters and learning will slow. Have a listen. Kelly, you know, we're talking about a lot of times the technology that's in the classroom the pedagogy, especially when you look at remote learning and, and a lot of the, the, the changed behaviors there, that kind of takes the forefront when people talk about the technology in schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we talk about SAP and, and back office and administrative tasks, sometimes they're, they're, they're put in the back office, right? <laughs> for for right. a reason. Talk a little bit about the importance of it from running you know, an organization like Florida Virtual School. Well, so my team, we are the expense management team. So we deal with travel, expense reimbursement, purchasing card, and it's easy to feel like you don't even work for a school sometimes because you're just looking at money, finance, that kind of stuff. But when the pandemic hit, it really, it affected us in that we were, all travel came to a virtual stop. We had to figure out what were we doing during this time? How do we, how do we continue to be valuable And so we started to look at, well, what processes can we make more efficient? What can we optimize so that when our teachers are traveling again, it's easier for them to just jump back in and get moving. So we took that time to really look at our systems, to look at what were we doing that could be improved. And we found a couple areas where we were able to make improvements. So now that everyone is moving again, things are flowing in a much better way. We have optimized workflows. We have efficient processes we where we used to be in multiple systems we're in one system and we're finding that it's it's giving our teachers so much more time to focus on students and get back to what they do so we can we can get our stuff done and move forward yeah and jim you know talk a little bit about the education space the education vertical versus you know the number of industries that SAP also works with and and the distinctions there i mean what is it that makes education special yeah, sure. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, we have a very large K-12 vertical business, right? So Florida Virtual School, lots of large public districts, as well as private districts, as well as private charter schools and, and across the gambit. And what, what people don't realize is, is that a, a district, something as large as Florida Virtual School or any of the large districts that we work with, they're really like a lot of other organizations. They're buying things, they're they're paying for things, they're they're, you know, all those same kind of functions still happen, right? Um, now when the pandemic hit, a lot of it shifted. You know, it moved from travel expense for us to a lot of it to uh, invoice processing and doing, you know, because now all of a sudden people were dispersed. 
you know, they were used to going to a brick and mortar building. Now they weren't. I have a unique experience that I see it because I have national responsibility. I see, I see it across the country, right? And people were really struggling early to figure out and get their feet underneath them. Teachers were, were remote. Students were remote. Uh, administrators were being redeployed to other types of jobs that they weren't used to doing. Um, so it was really the first part of it was kind of chaos. And then as people started understanding, okay, this is, like Kelly said, an opportunity for us to evaluate how we've been doing things and let's get better and take the time to get better. Those districts are way ahead of the others now because they took the time to evaluate what I call their tech debt. It's like, okay, I'm looking here. I got a big gap in technology here. Here's a spot we can fix while we have time. Yeah. So it was really taking the opportunity of the moment as terrible as it was and, and, and turning it into advantage. That's good stuff there. And as I mentioned about the 2022 Hero Awards, eSchool News is recognizing the country's best examples of success in these trying times. Anyone that made it possible to educate students in this time when unprecedented demands on schools and districts was thought impossible. The planning and execution of these projects required people from every field in multiple departments, IT, curriculum, instruction, and administration, to come together to ensure success. So go to the Hero Awards tab to get the details on, on how to nominate a school or a district and enter. We got about two weeks left. Also up online this week at eSchool is news from the Aurora Institute, a national education nonprofit that focuses on education system change. They released its annual report outlining key federal policy issues aimed at transforming K-12 education systems, which then hopefully strengthen our democracy and, and shape our next generation of engaged citizens. They post a nine different elements. I'll share three of them. Number one, rethink next generation accountability. They write, there is a growing realization that the traditional time-based K-12 education system in the U.S., is failing to adequately prepare students for the future. Problems arise when goals and purposes defined in accountability systems are too narrow and incentives or disincentives are too limiting. The current accountability framework does not guide states or local communities towards an education system that reflects the evolving demands placed on our youth. Next, create learning ecosystems and competency-based pathways that align across K-12, higher education, career and technical education, and the workforce. They write, with an unprecedented influx of $123 billion in federal funding to states and local education systems, it is critical that investments are made in what is most needed for reimagining our education systems and not just tweaking what we currently have. And then finally, number three, advanced educational equity. They write, for over a century, due to inequitable policy decisions past and present, students of color, especially black and brown students, have fared worse in almost every traditional educational measure of success compared to their white peers. Learning science research, however, shows us that all students can achieve at high levels and that learning happens on a continuum. The other six elements of this proposal are both provocative and insightful. Of course, easier said than done, right? I mean, a lot of these issues are, are things that the education systems have, have struggled with for decades, 
uh, and the pandemic only made worse. But I think it's worth a read just to kind of get our collective heads back in to the same space. Be sure to go check it out. It's up on the news feed at eschoolnews.com. And finally, how about we wrap up this week's episode with some good news? The latest in a series of research from NWEA focused on tracking the impact of the pandemic on learning, and it offers up some some glimmers of hope. It used data from over 8.3 million students who took the MAP growth assessment in reading and math during the COVID-impacted years and compared these data to an equivalent size sample of students who tested before the pandemic. The results, initial signs of academic rebounding were evident in the 2021-2022 with academic gains from fall to spring that paralleled pre-pandemic trends, especially in math and among younger students. So good good news there. Academic growth rebounded to parallel pre-pandemic trends across school poverty levels as well. However, students in low poverty schools have less ground to make up and thus will likely recover faster, which is kind of an inverse situation, but hey, still kind of good news. Not so fast, though. Despite initial signs of rebounding, student achievement is still lower than where we'd expect it to be if the pandemic did not happen, they write. Furthermore, if improvements continue at the rate that we saw this year, the timeline for a full recovery is still years away and will likely extend past the availability of the federal recovery funds. So, okay. Also, achievement was lower for all student groups in the spring of 2022 compared to pre-pandemic levels. And with historically marginalized students and students in high poverty schools, they, of course, remain disproportionately impacted. One other point that the researchers wanted to, to make, this data is a national view of the continued impacts of the pandemic, and it provides a broad, you know, where the trends are heading perspective. But they urge that local context is just as, if not more important, They note that even with districts, impacts are not equal between schools. That level of nuance should be evaluated when looking at recovery efforts and long-term planning so that schools can right-size their efforts to most effectively help all students move toward better outcomes. So, okay, while the news isn't exactly great, it does seem that we're headed in the right direction, and I guess all we can do is continue to look forward. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the edtech space. Remember, eschool is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eschool news.